Welcome, everyone, to Myth Story, a podcast where we talk about myths and history. I'm your host, Cammy, with my guest star, Peter. How are you, Peter? I'm very well. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about what may be the oldest recorded story ever. It's oh, called, wow. It's called The Devil and the Smith, and we have all heard the story. It may not have been called The Devil and the Smith. It may have been called The Devil Goes Down to Georgia. It may have been called... Rumpelstiltskin. It's the same. It's the same story, told different ways over thousands and thousands of years. Awesome. Well, take us away, Peter. Okay. So just to just to clarify, um, there are countless versions of the story. This is my personal spin on it. So if you like this story, you can make it your own. So here we go. <laughs> uh, once upon a time, long after Lucifer's spectacular fall from heaven. The Dark Lord sat in his inferno and plotted. He had engineered the fall of man by tempting Eve in the garden, and ever since, a steady stream of souls were sentenced to join him in his misery. While tormenting the sons of Adam in hell brought him some pleasure, the devil enjoyed hunting above all things. Hunting for souls, that is. It had only been a few generations since humanity had left Eden and been forced to scratch out an existence in the harsh and savage landscape. Human life was one of fear and toil and early death, but there were a rare few who were clever, cunning, and ambitious enough to tame the wild world. One such man was called Smith. Smith was a gifted toolmaker, and he transformed the rocks and trees he found into fine plows and axes and spearheads. Such a man would be a fine addition to the legions of hell, thought the devil. Perhaps I should pay him a visit. One night, Smith was relaxing after a hard day's work. He had built a fire by the entrance to the cave where he slept. In the dim light of the fire, he saw the outline of a figure approaching. May I join you? asked the devil. Smith nodded his approval. As the silhouette drew nearer, Smith saw that it belonged to a man adorned with treasures. Jewels sparkled on the man's fingers, a chain glistened around his neck, and a fine-tipped blade hung from his belt. Smith's stone axe lay nearby. A fine flint blade was on his hip. I have observed your skills, Smith. They are impressive, but nothing compared to what I might show you, said the devil. I will teach you to draw ore from the earth and to heat it and to shape it into innumerable tools of strong iron. All I ask is that when your life on this earth is over, you will come to serve me. Shall we drink to our arrangement? asked Smith, holding up a cup, a clay cup of crimson wine. Sealed upon our lips, said the devil as he drank. Many years passed and the devil was well pleased with the bargain he had struck. He watched as Smith worked at his forge, fashioning iron plows, nails, and hinges, and weapons too. Heavy swords for cleaving, hard spearheads for piercing, brutal axes for hewing. The devil watched as houses sprung up where there once were tents. Orderly lines of crops replaced simple foraging, and small disagreements escalated into bloody wars. As men squabbled and fought and died, more souls would be lining up at the gates of hell. Business was good, but the devil decided it was time to pay Smith another visit. 
Smith was stoking his forge when the devil came to visit. Smith regarded the slender and impossibly clean figure with a cautious eye. Your time is up, Smith, said the devil. It is time to come with me. My work here is not finished, said Smith. Yes, you've been quite busy, I see, said the devil, looking at the cruel blade that glowed in the coals of the forge. I will make you another offer, Smith. I will extend your life here on earth and teach you to meld cheap copper and flimsy tin into a new metal. Bronze is far lighter than iron and will hold its edge after many uses. All I ask in return is when I come to call for you again, that I will take your son as well. Smith thought for a moment. He had grown rich and powerful since the devil first arrived. He held up a leather flagon with an iron handle. Shall we drink to our arrangement, asked Smith. Sealed upon our lips, said the devil with a smile. Many more years passed, and the devil was delighted by the bargain he had struck. He watched as humanity surged from surviving to thriving, from practicality to luxury. Smith's tools eased the burdens of labor and made time for enjoyment and leisure. And Smith's bronze spears and coins and adornments led to more conflict and jealousy and corruption. The devil would have to hire more demons to keep all these sinful souls in line. But the devil's thirst was unquenchable. A new scheme swirled in his mind. It was time to tempt Smith once again. Smith sat by the hearth in a fine house. He had long since passed his secrets of the forge on to his many sons, who themselves had taken on many apprentices. They all took on the name Smith. The smoke from the fire curled and twisted until it took on the shape of a man. The devil stood before Smith. Your time is up, Smith. Have you lived a full life? There will never be enough, said Smith. Indeed, I see you have been enjoying the luxuries of your trade, said the devil. What more could you want? The same for all my sons, said Smith. The devil raised one perfect eyebrow. Very well, said the devil. I will teach you to craft a metal that shines like the sunlight reflecting off the clearest water. The gates of heaven itself are made from this fine metal. This silver can be bent into endless shapes and hold the finest jewels and will make you a very rich man. All I ask is that when I come for you again, that all your sons will follow me down when their reckoning comes. Smith stood and paced the room for some time. He went to a table and returned with two bronze cups that he filled with wine. Shall we drink to our arrangement? asked Smith. Sealed upon our lips, said the devil. Many more years passed, and the devil smiled smugly at the bargain he had made. Hell was bursting with new souls. Smith had lived for hundreds of human lifetimes, and his name and skills were now spread all across the earth. His tools and weapons had helped tame the savage world, and when men ran out of things to conquer, they turned on each other. It was delicious. But the devil had one more secret up his sleeve. If he could pass on the secret of steel to Smith, he might forever tip the balance of the war with heaven in hell's favor. It was time to make one final visit to Smith. Smith sat in a hulking fortress that bristled with iron bars and spikes. The bronze helms of his guardsmen glowed in the sun. 
Fine silver curled around his fingers and glistened off fine plates and cups. Smith closed his eyes sleepily, and when he opened them, the devil was before him. It is time, Smith, said the devil. Smith stared at the devil for a moment. I am building a new weapon, said Smith. Once perfected, it will hurl my metals into my enemies with explosive power. With it, I will dominate the world. But the tubes I have constructed shatter with the force of the black powder. Have you no secrets left? asked Smith. There is one, cooed the devil, but it comes at a high price. Name it, said Smith. I will teach you to make steel, the strongest metal yet. All I ask is that when I come for you, all those who bear your name will follow me down upon their reckoning. All the Smiths? asked Smith. All of them, for all time, said the devil. Smith envisioned his great guns and cannon tearing through the sides of ships, reducing castles to rubble, tearing through the flesh of men. Done, said Smith. He handed a silver cup brimming with wine to the devil. Shall we drink to our arrangement, asked Smith. For a moment, the devil hesitated. His hands shuffled beneath his cloak. He reached out with a gloved hand and grasped the silver cup. Sealed upon our lips, said the devil, and tipped the cup into his mouth. The cup never touched his lips. Smith smiled with satisfaction. Smith had built his fortress around his ancient forge. It stood there still in the center of a grand courtyard. It was here that the devil would show Smith the art of making steel. The devil held up a hand and the fire roared to life. He showed Smith how to heat iron with blocks of black carbon, how to pound them into submission and sharpen them to a deadly point. As the blade cooled in the quenching water, the devil prepared to leave. Enjoy your gift, Smith, as it will be your final one. I'll be back in one lifetime to collect what is owed. The devil would miss these visits with Smith. The cunning human had, un had unleashed unspeakable horrors upon the earth, but his progeny would carry on his important endeavor. The devil turned to leave. He took three steps and then stumbled. His face twisted in astonishment. His strides had not faltered since the great fall. He looked down and saw a chain of silver looped around his ankle. His eyes followed the length of chain until it ended wrapped in the strong hands of Smith. Smith quickly wrapped the chain around the devil, binding his arms and legs. Where the, civil, where the silver touched the devil's skin, it burned and seared. The devil cursed and spat. Just as the silver gates of heaven were locked to Lucifer forever, so was the devil locked in Smith's trap. Smith hung the devil from the rafters of his forge and laughed as the devil dangled from his chain. Arr! What do you want, roared the devil. I have given you all the secrets to the metals of the earth. Your work and your name will live forever in infamy. Smith smiled. You will release me and my kin from the pact we have made and shut the gates of hell to us forever, said Smith. Done, said the devil, but heaven will never take your kind either. Your souls are doomed to wander this pathetic earth forever. <coughs> You smiths will carry a black stain for all eternity. Black dealer. Black smith. 
Sealed upon our lips, said Smith, as he loosened the chains. Sealed upon our lips, said the devil, as he spat into the fiery forge. The flames leapt up in a flash, and the devil was gone. I love that, Peter. (laughs) That's fantastic. Um, I really like how you started the story out, where he's like basically living in Neolithic times. Mm -hmm. Because this story is very old. (laughs) Yes. So... I used, uh, I do want to go over my sources really fast. I used history.com Bronze Age, um, which was, there was no byline. It was just the history.com editors. Mm-hmm. Discovery Magazine, The Origins of an Ancient Fairy Tale by Jonathan Keats. Uh, Wikipedia article on the Smith and the Devil. Comparative phylogenetic analysis uncover the ancient roots of Indo-European folk tales by Sarah Gracia de Silvia and Jamie Teterani. And like I said before, this story is extremely old. It's thought to have originated at least 6,000 years ago, um, according to the research by uh, De Silvia and Tarani. The two created a, well, basically a phylogenetic ling- linguistic tree of this um, through different regions. So... Phylogenetics is the idea that language changes through time and across culture, and it's usually applied only to biology. So this is an innovative idea that they're applying it to linguistics. And they took the tale and they looked at it because, like Peter said, I mean, we have it today. Uh, There was a Buffy episode that the devil came down and and wanted souls so that everyone would dance. Um, And... Though the tale is famous in Western Europe, thanks to the Brothers Grimm, through this research, they were able to see the story's origins in Anatolia, which is modern day like Greece, Turkey, Israel, Lebanon, Bulgaria, that area. If if it really is 6,000 years old, that would place it during the beginning of the Bronze Age. And so, Peter, what, what I was saying, or what you were saying in the story, if it's if it's so bronze age is when we started recording things if they can trace it back that far then and true blacksmiths weren't even around until like 1500 bce it's probably a much older story (laughs) people were smelting Mm. copper probably so before the story started so it's in the bronze age is when we can trace it back to Uh but the story could have been even older because we were working with metals before that. The Bronze Age sort of marks the shift when humans went from stone tools to metal tools, which are more strong, which are much stronger and more durable. Mm-hmm. Um, the regions of Anatolia began their Bronze Age very close to when the story would have originated, while the countries that it spread to received the story later. So I wasn't able to find evidence that it spread through civilizations as bronze working did, but it would make sense that as metalworking became more prominent in a culture, the story would have resonated more with its people living in the area. And also, like I said before, bronze is where we start seeing writing. It's, it's where we encounter the first alphabet. So the story would have been part of a much older oral tradition at that point. The researchers even found that it's probably it probably started originated like one specific group of people and as those people spread out 
the story spread with them. And a lot of fairy tales are very old. Like Beauty and the Beast is probably about 5,000 years old. Um, but it also makes the work by De Silvia and Tarani so fascinating since they had no written record to really work with. They're, they're working with the actual oral story that we hear today. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I do want to um, kind of pivot and talk about how, how prevalent the story is today. And like I mentioned before, the, the Brothers Grimm, they first published the story in 1812 in their Children and Household Tales. But it seems to transcend its original state, um, and it's seen in so many different variants. The, the idea of meeting the devil at the crossroads, selling your soul, usually for a musical talent or artistic power, and then tricking the devil out of his eternal prize. Mm-hmm. And what makes this such an alluring story, Peter? Like, do you have any thoughts on that? I do, actually. Um, first of all, you know, the like you mentioned that the Smith, like blacksmithing is not as old as the story. So like the Smith could be anything. It could, you know, he could be a cobbler. He could be a teacher. He could be, you know, whatever. So it's this example of, you know, man, humans, men and women overcoming challenges sometimes supernatural uh through their wits um you know in a in a wild uncertain world which we're still living in today um you know outsmarting a global pandemic uh you know it's it's applicable the reason these stories stick around is because they you know they they bring us comfort they give us hope um there's also a, a fun dynamic to this story where you know essentially the smith has his cake and eats it too. I mean, it's this, you know, he, he gets these amazing skills and he gets to keep his soul. In my story, it's a little different, but, uh, (laughs) so it's, it's this idea of like, you know, finding a genie in a lamp and, and wishing for more wishes, like cheating, uh, the, the supernatural to, uh, to, to win against these, you know, win against the, the, uh, essentially one of the most powerful beings in the universe. I do want to mention too that the that old adage that technology is indistinguishable from magic, or science is indistinguishable from magic. Um, if you you know if you go back far enough, if you bring an iPhone to the Bronze Age, you know people are going to be probably not burning you at the stake, but <laughs> they're going to be really really freaking impressed. Mm-hmm. And some of these advances that you're talking about. I mean, even like the cobbler with the shoes or whatever, as as technology advances, maybe people don't feel like they have, like they were the ones that really came up with this. It must have been some supernatural power that allowed us to smoke copper and then allowed us to make bronze and then onto iron and steel and all these things that we're doing. And as as technology is building up and the, and the cities are building up around us, and some of this stuff is causing havoc and, and chaos. I mean, you know, steel makes guns. <laughs> so it's, mm-hmm. um, it, it must be the work of the devil or, or some supernatural malevolent force. I, I love that idea. It's like there's, there's no way that cobbler can make shoes so fast. There must be elves that are helping him as he right. sleeps. You know, like maybe he just found out a really cool way to make shoes. <laughs> And all the other cobblers are jealous. Like, yeah, it's probably elves. <laughs> it's definitely great. Nike. Yeah. <laughs> and there's also that idea of the control over chaos. I mean, if you think about when the story originated, I mean, people were 
probably in cities at that point are, are starting to be part of a city or part of at least a village. But you still had so much wilderness around you. I mean, the, the city would build up, but if you went two steps this way, you're going to encounter like the wolves and, and the creatures of the night, like whatever those things might be in your culture. And so trying to like reign in that chaos and, and the idea that, man, we don't have claws, we don't have teeth. We can't really do anything if we're in that situation except for think about how to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that, too, might bring some comfort to people, sort of ease their anxieties and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And we have these, like like you mentioned, the the, the creatures of the real world that, 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 you know, threaten us, like wolves and lions and, and how those creatures – become monsters in these in these ancient stories as kind of a cautionary tale you know like we have these old stories that kind of um are cautionary and and the devil and the smith kind of has that as well it's like maybe it's not a great idea to deal with the devil like he ultimately wins in the end but it's you know we've got these story stories that kind of like um you know kids don't play near the water because there's monsters there these these are kind of like teaching warning stories. And then we have these other stories that are about like encouragement and empowerment. And I think that um, Devil and Smith certainly falls into that category. Yeah. You mentioned too, uh, it's the prevalence in like music. You were talking about um, who was, who was the guy you were saying earlier that met the devil at the crossroads? Oh, Cochran. Robert Cochran. I think I got the name wrong though. (laughs) Robert Johnson. Johnson, okay. Johnson, uh, like a, a real a real blues man, and there was like a, a a legit story going around that he had sold his soul to the devil at the crossroads to learn how to play amazing blues guitar. Um, <laughs> you've you've got that famous uh, Charlie Daniels song about you know uh, fiddling against the the devil. You know it's <laughs> it's 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 the same thing. Um, we hear about it all all the time, and in many cases, you know these these selling your soul to the devil stories don't work out. It's 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 a question of like is is temporary gain and success worth you know uh, an eternity eternity of suffering? And that's kind of that's something we we have to kind of ask ourselves, like you know about living living a, a good life, a just I know, life. Yeah, I mean. I, I know too, like uh, when I was reading the the Devil and Smith before I read your version, they do have a version where the the devil is is coming to him as an apprentice, hmm. and he can give youth to people, and people are coming to the blacksmith to gain their youth. Well, obviously the blacksmith. Hello, Erlene. How are you? Um, obviously the blacksmith can't do this. This isn't something within his realm. He's not Mm. Hephaestus. So the apprentice bangs on their faces and and causes them to be beautiful and youthful Hmm. and gain back all their vigor. But the blacksmith, because he does not have this talent, someone comes to him, the apprentice is not there that day. And he decides, oh, how hard can it be? And so he starts banging on the the face until he kills the man. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to the apprentice and says, we've killed this man. <laughs> Not I, but we have killed right. this man. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> and that's when the apprentice avi- reveals himself as death in this story instead of the devil. Hmm. And 
supposedly the blacksmith was the only good person in this town. Everyone else was um, obviously kind of haughty and <laughs> valued their youth above other things. Hmm. And so he actually turned, unwittingly turned the smith into a harbinger of death and into an evil person. And there's no... Um, there's no salvation for the Smith at that point. So I do, I think that, um, yeah, what you were saying, like some, sometimes when you sell your soul to the devil, the devil gets your mm-hmm. soul. Mm. So like the, the pride of the town drove the one just man to become a murderer. Exactly. Mm. Yes. It's, it's such a different story too, because we don't, it's not praising humans for their technology and their innovation, uh, and their wittiness to survive evil. Mm-hmm. It's saying that any man could be corrupted, which is a very, very different moral at that yeah. point. It, put, it puts the agency squarely on the people. <laughs> like, you you did this. Like, the the devil or death is just kind of the the tool. Like, you know, it's it's he's not turning them. Like, they're they're so ready to turn already. That's great. Yeah, they had it in themselves almost and, to do this. And it's a great example of how versatile the story is, too. It's just fun so stuff. Peter, it can teach um, you a lot. I guess we could talk about a little bit about the uh, the podcast in general. Now, you're not um, sure. on it all the time, but you do come in as a special guest. It's normally uh, myself and Bryant, and we're pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts. Um, but Peter does come in for what we call the Podicus Magnus episodes, because normally our episodes, we try to keep them between 15 and 20 minutes. The ones with Peter, they're much longer. Uh, we, we have two stories. It's myself and Peter telling a story, and then Bryant goes over the history uh, for that stuff. So do you want to talk a little bit about your role in that? Sure. Um, so uh, I know uh, Bryant and Cam- Cammy from outside of podcasting, um, and I have a background in writing. Um, and I have I was kind of um, in a lull. I hadn't been writing very much, and they invited me to be on the podcast, and it's really kind of reawakened my um, my writing passion. So it's been great to kind of flex those muscles again and. Um, I've actually been thinking of maybe collecting some of the the stories that I've written for mystery into a collection. Um, oh wow! And uh, what's what's fun is so uh, as you mentioned, Brian usually does the the history component because he's a he's a history guy. Uh, so Cammy isn't usually in this role, but I just want to say she did a really great job today. Um, Thank and you. I, and I think you I think you and Brian should uh, switch We've off more often. Kind of mix before. it up. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fun. It was like the Norse tale. That's right. So yeah, I've been I don't on, remember which <laughs> which story it was. And I've been on, gosh, probably close to twenty episodes now. Quite a few. Yeah, you've um, been on a lot. During, during during the peak pandemic, I was working from home, and I had a lot of uh, a lot of free time. So <laughs> that was fun. But I'm hoping we, to I'm hoping to be on more yeah, often. Back. I mean, it's been anytime, a while. Literally anytime. <laughs> Do we have any questions from the viewers? I know sometimes this is like hit or miss, but if anybody has any questions about the story, about the podcast in general, any other mythology, history, anything, we can keep talking while you think of it. <laughs> and, and mystery is a is a weekly podcast, correct? Yes. With, with occasional. We, we have been taking a a break recently with the holidays and everything. Um, we had uh, about two weeks off, and then now we're publishing weekly still. 
And how many episodes do you have uh, at this point? About 130. That's awesome. We've got quite a few. We've, we've been doing it since 2019, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think September was our three-year anniversary. So we've wow. been doing it for quite a while. And you came on pretty quickly because we had a contest. Yeah, that was funny. So uh, they had like a raffle. So I, and, I, and I was like, oh, I'd love to be a guest star on that because I'm also in a, <laughs> I'm also in a, in a, in a rock band and uh, I play a character in this band. So like that, I was not the guest that day. Just to be right, clear, Count it was Dumonet. Count de Monet was was the guest, um, and, and he wrote a story. He he did a telling of uh, Gowan and the Green Knight, uh, which has gone on to become this this really interesting feature film uh, from uh, this past year. So, um, yeah, I was I was on pretty early. It was, it's been a, it's been a great experience. Yeah, we were very very glad to have you. How can we connect to Myth Story? Well, uh, we're anywhere that you get your podcast. So I even recently uploaded it to Facebook as well. I wasn't sure about doing that, but I I did recently do that. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just pretty much wherever you listen. If you have any questions or feedback, you want to hear a particular subject of an episode, uh, you can always hit up our Gmail. Uh, It's MythStory with an I-E. So that's M-Y-T-H-S-T-O-R-I-E at gmail.com. And our website is uh, MythStory.com. My favorite episode is Wendigo. So I do encourage people to listen to that one. It's probably one of the best stories I ever wrote for it. 